go to Shop Mr. C online store at www.thecreport.com, click on store on the top right menu, use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, Texas. Good afternoon, America. How is everyone doing today? I hope uh, we are well on this. Um, what are we today? We are uh, Monday, August 8th, 2022. <clears throat> and uh, I'd like to welcome you all to uh, the brand new edition of Lone Star News, uh, bringing you Texas news and current events. And boy, have I got a show for you guys today. Man, let me tell you what, uh, never has it been a better time than now uh, to really uh, take in the take in the moment, guys. We're living through history, y'all. We're living through history. You know, I've said it several times here um, over at Mr. C TV. I, uh, your host, Mr. C, right? Um uh, considering everything that we've seen and everything that we're, we're, we've been going through uh, since President Trump was elected, and you know, really, that is kind of a benchmark in history, because uh, you know, we uh, well, we had a candidate who's actually standing up for America. We had a candidate who is actually standing up for the people, and then we had a president who did exactly what he said. It's an it's an amazing time to be alive, y'all. It's an amazing time to be alive right now. And we have so many things going on right now, at this moment, in our nation and across the country, um, which is the nation and also across the state. But, you know, getting back into Texas news and current events, uh, we had a lot of things going on this weekend, too. You know, we had CPAC Texas here this past weekend. We had and the it's like the entire cast of, you know, America first you know, freedom fighters, patriots, you know, uh, names, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We had President Trump in the state. You know, we had uh, we had Carrie Lake here. We had uh, we we had uh, what? Steve Bannon was here in Texas this past weekend. Guys, like everyone was here for CPAC Texas. It was a uh, it was a momentous event. You know, um, from what I saw, I didn't get to see all of it, but I got to see some parts of it. Every single piece of it just looks so interesting there was just you could just tell the the uh the energy that was just radiating off of this event in texas 
And, uh, and that was just by looking through the screens, ladies and gentlemen. That was just by looking through the screens. In fact, um, you know, I was going to be reporting on CPAC Texas today, bringing you guys some of the clips that they had. So, I mean, there was a lot of good speeches. I mean, we had everybody was here. You know, even Tudor Dixon was here, guys. Like, it was, it was, it was, it was insane, you know, just to see the caliber, the amount of, um, the amount of uh, the amount of uh, Texas spirited, Texas spirited, America spirited, and uh, America first uh, people that were with us, but um, uh, we had to put all of that on hold today because uh, we have much more, much much more important thing to share with you guys today. Much more important story. Much more important news. Um, to get uh, to you guys today, as opposed to CPAC Texas, as opposed to President Trump himself, um, and uh, that is of course on the topic of elections now. I've been talking about elections here at Lone Star News specifically, uh, I, I would say quite a bit the last uh, week or two since uh, we brought this broadcast on uh, almost daily, ladies and gentlemen, as we're, we are broadcasting Lone Star News um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, ladies and gentlemen. So if you are a Texan, you will get your Texas fix of uh, news and information happening across the Lone Star State, at least to the best of my ability to bring it to you all. Uh, and to share that news. So I would encourage you all, if you are Texas kinfolk, and that's what I like to say, that's just uh, that's just another way of saying Texas family and friends, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, would, I would highly recommend that if you uh, value any of the information I share today, spread it with your family and friends, okay? Let them know about it. If you uh, know people in our great Lone Star State who are interested in topics regarding, uh, you know, politics, current events, and the likes, um, um, send, them, send them over a link. Send them my way. Send them over to thecreport.com. Send them over to the Rumble page. You know, if you are over on any of the platforms, like we, uh, we are also live, for example, like on uh, pills.net and uh, Twitch and etc. cetera, uh, Clout Hub, you know, uh, and you have Texas friends, just let them know, you know, I mean, let them know, hey, there's this, uh, there's this uh, broadcast out there it's called Lone Star News. They talk about your state just in case you're interested. They can check it out. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, you know, they can go ahead and, and get their Texas news from wherever else they'd like to. But, uh, you know, I'm here for my part basically just to um, uh, just to assist as my duty, ladies and gentlemen, and also uh, cleaning up that backyard. Because um, another notion that has become very prevalent these days, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even know if I could say, is this like a reawakening to the idea? You know, I know Americans have um, reawakened to the concept of self-governance, right? Americans have reawakened to the concept that we are the governors. You know, they are those who, and they being the elected representatives, they are those who represent our will and uh, who represent, um, you know, what it is that we want uh, out of um, our, our um, nation and our government uh, to do for us. Um, and so with that said, though, you know, but getting back down to the concept of taking care of our own backyard, you know, a lot of us have often... Uh, we, we, we espouse these notions, right? You know, you've heard me say that for probably since, you know, we went on air here over at, um, uh, Mr. CTV 
and the sea reports talking about uh, we have to take care of it at the local level we have to take care of it at the local level and it's like what does that mean exactly you know now we're we're really getting down to the brass tacks you know uh where we should not have our focus so much as on capitol hill as much as we should have literally in our own backyard i mean starting with your very city council district ladies and gentlemen you can't get much more backyard than that other than having like a neighborhood neighborhood watch ladies and gentlemen so if you don't have like a neighborhood watch, you know, that covers a few blocks and you're going to be going to your city council, okay? And your city council district, your city councilor or whatever, whatever region in this nation that you live in. Some are called councilors, some are called Adelman, some are called, you know, God knows what. Um, uh, but that's where you really, really begin. You know, when people are, you know, like it's what I'm driving around with my mom and, and she's like, I can't, I can't see the road. Like the, the, the paint is like just you know, what lane am I in? I'm like, oh, we got to get to our city council. You know, and that's when I tell my mom, well, you know, if you had voted. <laughs> and she just looks at me crossly. Uh, but that's not the point, ladies and gentlemen. That's not the point. The point is that is where you begin. You know, your your district city council, you know, you go up to there to your county level, you know, and you take care of it from there, you know, addressing your county commissioners and, and taking care of your municipalities, you know, that is where you begin to take care of your backyard. Because guess what? If uh, the state passes some laws that the people overwhelmingly in your county don't agree with, it can be it can be uh, it can be stopped there at that level. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be a back and forth between the state and the county. But the point of the matter is, once you get to that level, you have basically safeguarded that one region, you know, like uh, consider consider your backyard and your county. No, uh, consider your city, your municipality. Consider that region one. Right. You get to your county level, you go into region two, okay? You go into your state level, you go into region three, right? And, you know, within the state, of course, and especially if you're in Texas, but I mean, it is my regard that all states are sovereign in this nation. Sovereign nations. Just think about that, guys. You know, we, we talk about the world and sovereign nations, like every nation is sovereign and they, you know, they should all be respected to their own boundaries, etc. Well... That's the way it is within these United States of America. And America overall, if you're talking about it on the federal level, well, ladies and gentlemen, that would be, uh, that, that would be your world, right? And all of the states within the nation are sovereign unto themselves. Uh, Texas is a little bit stronger in that regard compared to some of the other states in this nation. But, uh, well, there you have it. Okay, so your level, your, your region three would be your state, right? Region four would be the nation. That's when you're going to be talking about the federal level. That's where you're going to be talking about uh, Washington, D.C., and we're going to be talking about Capitol Hill and everything that they're doing up there. But, you know, think about it. If we're focusing on Region 4, the faraway Washington, D.C., and uh, say we have uh, qualms over, um, uh, you know, like, a, well, it, take an easy one, a gun control, ladies and gentlemen, gun control and the Second Amendment. You know, by the time they're litigating, litigating, legislating over in Washington, D.C. about guns and, you know, they're going to do it whenever they want. But uh, but really, that's, you're like you're like three or four removed from your own backyard. And, and it stands to reason that by the time it gets to D.C., you know, there's there's basically already been kind of like an approval all the way down to your backyard about what the heck they're doing. And then, you know, that's when it's like, if it weren't for the uh, Ninth and Tenth Amendment, 
you know, we would be at a loss, you know, say, say, say any type of legislation got to DC, whatever the topic, and there was no ninth or 10th amendment, we would be done, ladies and gentlemen. And so that really restricts them from coming forward. You know, that's the way that um, our, our nation was designed to work per the um, um, framers of the Constitution and their insights, right? And that was where you got the whole state versus federal battle going on uh, in that regard. Uh, but <clears throat> we could, you can really create a stone wall against anything that's overreaching if you start in your own backyard, you know. Um, take, take counties in Texas, uh, like say like Travis County, which is the seat of the capital, uh, versus some, some uh, you know, uh, some uh, highly conservative county, maybe like, uh, you know, in West or East Texas, right? Yeah, East Texas, we're not talking about Houston or Dallas. And uh, West Texas, we're not talking about El Paso, but, you know, anywhere in between those. You know, um, think, think about the... Think about the sanctuary cities for the unborn, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we talked about the sanctuary cities for the unborn a few times here on Lone Star News because Texas was uh, the the um, the largest supporter of um, uh, pro-life um, uh, legislation and counties in the nation prior to you know Roe v. Wade being turned over, prior to the heartbeat bill being enacted in the state itself. So, you know, you got your Travis County, which is liberal, and you got your, uh, you got your other counties, which are not, which are highly conservative, right? So, you know, uh, we, we find that we can have those protections within those counties. But, you know, if the people were, because, uh, you know, Travis County obviously encompasses more than just Austin, Texas, right? You know, you got Austin, Texas, you know, you got Buda, Texas, you got Kyle, Texas, you know, you have all these uh, other um, municipalities and townships within that county. But, you know, if you got, if you got Kyle and Buda as a municipality saying that they're anti-abortion, you know, they stand a better chance of fighting that within their city limits as opposed to like Austin. And they can't just rule over the entire county. So, you know, going back down into all of those levels and layers, you know, you start to really take care of your own backyard. That, again, is what I'm saying is the notion that a lot of people are starting to wake up to. Not just, not just that we are the governors here, we are the self-governed, you know, not just that notion, but the very notion of the backyard. How far back is the backyard? It goes all the way down to your city level, you know, and that's why a lot of Americans right now who are awake and the thing that really makes this different from any other time in our nation is the fact that not only are, are more people awake than have been in the past, but more people are active, I would say, than ever. I would say more people are active now in getting involved and participating in their local government than since 1776, right? When it was like, let's all be involved or at least 3% of us so this way we can get the job done. And uh, well, you know, uh, that is what is happening, ladies and gentlemen, that is what is happening. So, you know, we're not gonna talk CPAC Texas today uh, because there's much bigger news than, uh, than all of the America First rock stars coming across the stage here in the Lone Star State over the weekend including our president, President Donald Trump. You know, sorry, President Trump, more important news to talk about today. 
Um, so basically, uh, what I uh, was able to, uh, well, I found out um, was that there's actually a lawsuit, ladies and gentlemen, a lawsuit that has been filed against the state of Texas. Okay. And oh boy, oh boy, I can't tell you how excited this makes me. As much as we've been uh, reporting here on elections, and uh, you know, last week I took you guys through the entire um, Texas uh, voting machine stuff, you know, and we were talking about uh, the ESNS and the civic uh, heart intercivic machines and exactly how those um, um, are are vulnerable, you know, just like the Dominion machines. But no one ever talks about ESNS and heart intercivic and their vulnerabilities because Spotlight goes to Dominion, right? Like they are the uh, they are the main they are the main act when we're talking about voting machines in the nation. You want to talk about how Texas has been uh, running a big old bamboozle of elections on the Texas people? Well, you look at those machines, Heart Intercivic and ESNS. But we know that there's so much more that is involved in that than just the machines, right? I mean, the machines are a huge part of it. But what about um, what about mismanagement of elections? What about the laws of of the state regarding? elections and are those laws being filed okay uh, now if you guys are a viewer of the c report uh, which is another it's the america first nationwide you know kind of a new show that i do here over at mr ccd uh, you guys know that i have been uh, harping on uh, the lack of accreditation and certification of the voting machines for quite some time okay uh, but uh, it seems that uh, the, those those thoughts, those worries, those concerns, those points have not gone on deaf ears, okay, have not gone on deaf ears. So I was very, very excited and very, very pleased, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to, to find out that a lawsuit, again, like I said, has been filed against the state of Texas. We're going to talk about that today. That's going to be the focus of today's report. It might also be the focus of the next report because we're going to go through the entire lawsuit, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go through the entire lawsuit. And again, I would urge you, you know, if you are watching this broadcast live or if you uh, come across this broadcast uh, in a replay in the future and you are in the state of Texas, heck, if you are anywhere in this nation, um, I would say, please uh, share the information. Okay, share the information. Uh, You you can link out the show, whatever you got to do, because... In reading this lawsuit, guys, in reading this lawsuit, it is the most thorough lawsuit I have ever read. I am wondering how Texas is going to weasel their way out of this lawsuit, okay? It is thorough. It is thorough. Um, You know, uh, we're talking about the unsung heroes of the Lone Star State. We're talking about the unsung heroes of this nation. You know, the people who got together to put this lawsuit together. It's, It's the perfect example of what we should be doing in this time and day, right? Because, you know, a lot of us sit back and we, we, we look at the theft of the 2020 election. We look at how they steal our elections, how they select our representatives, right? Our so-called representatives, uh, you know, and, and, and everyone's kind of like sitting around at like a loss uh, for what to do. You know, like, what, what can I do? I'm nobody. I just sit here and talk on a, a TV show. You know, other people, what can I do? 
do. I work my nine to five. I've got my kids to take care of. I can't go out to protests and rallies all the time. I can't be uh, driving up to the Capitol to give my two cents to the governor. You know, um, and, and so what do we do? You know, do we just sit around until things get so bad and our trigger fingers are itching so 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 much that we just uh we just get fed up and, and and go and take care of business that way no we don't do that ladies and gentlemen that is uh, that is a big no no we've come too far to just uh to just um uh, give in to violence or to uh, that nature ladies and gentlemen that's not the way we do it these days okay um but uh for for those who who actually got this thing going guys I mean, actually got this thing going when I read it and I see how thorough this thing is. You want to talk about lawfare. You want to talk about the long road. Okay. The long road, you know, it's not just a lawsuit that says, uh, we feel this way. You did this. Now here's what we want, uh, as a, a relief to that, you know? I mean, a lot of people have been suing, right? You know, since basically the elections were stolen. Think about uh, think about President Trump and his legal team right away. You act act litigation, litigation, get that ball rolling. We all know that uh, uh, taking the the litigatory path through the judiciary is one of the longest and and slowest ways uh, to have justice served, but it's the most important way. Because, as I've said before, once it goes into the courts, that's official, documented, unrefuted. They make their decisions. And, you know, uh, should the case go right or wrong, you study that. You, but then you bounce back and you go at it again. And that's why I'm wondering how Texas is going to weasel their way out of this, guys. Because it is this thorough. You can tell by reading the lawsuit that these people who put this together, these brave Texans, okay, these courageous Americans, right? You can tell by doing, by, by reading this lawsuit that this has been a process. They've already bounced back and forth with other lawsuits and uh, uh, FOIA requests and, you know, uh, you know, right to know requests, all of that stuff. They got the, they got the toss around. They got everything, uh, you know, you know, no, no one answering people giving them like a, a dead end answers, all that kind of stuff here in the state of Texas. And uh, whew, boy, guys, you know. It's going to be pretty, pretty uh, interesting to see where this goes. The lawsuit was filed, I believe, in on July 20th. We're going to get into it now. Uh, so and we're going to go through this whole lawsuit, guys. Uh, and the reason why we're going to do that is because, you know, I sit back myself and, and you know, I wonder myself, what can I do myself, you know, um, beside, you know, there's, you get out and vote, right? You know, uh, spread word of mouth, talk to people. Okay. Write your representatives, your senators, your councilmen, call them, you know, write them, email them, you know, let them know how you feel. The next step up is really going to be when we're talking about filing lawsuits. And this is something that I think is very uh, daunting. It's intimidating. It's intimidating to me. I wouldn't even know where to begin 
when we're talking about filing a lawsuit, who do I get a hold of? Do I have to pay? You know, all this other stuff. Because, you know, obviously, obviously, when you're talking about lawyers and you're talking about litigation, you're talking about money, right? Okay, you're talking about money. So, you know, for someone like me, it's like, I don't even know where square one is. You know, I'm over here back inside of the call your representative's womb. Okay, I haven't quite birthed my way forward into the next steps of getting the job done. We're living in a time period where this is the path. You know, the deep, the deep state, the globalists, they chose this path. They use lawfare against the people. They use lawfare against any politician or anyone that's trying to make any kind of a move. You know, any kind of a move in their nation, I mean, or in their state or in their city, right? And, and then what happens? They get bled to death of all their funds. They go bankrupt. You know, they have no money. They lose their houses. They lose their homes. And that's the game that's been played. But um, you cannot fight it once it's in the courts. You know, barring, barring a corrupt judiciary, once it's in the courts, it's, it's, it's there, guys. It's official. You know, you can, you can, uh, you can uh, refute anyone who's like, yeah, you know, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. Oh, it's in the courts. Okay. And uh, the Texas lawsuit against the state for um, illegal failures in elections. Uh, It has everything. It has everything, guys. It has everything. Um, And I want to go through this lawsuit, and we're going to go through it, because I learned a lot of stuff, and and I'm hoping and sharing this information. It will uh, inspire or, you know, it will give a cause for motivation for other people who are wondering what we can do. We're in 2022. Okay, we're already late in the game. Okay, next month in less than a month, all of the election data from 2020 can legally be erased by federal standards. Okay, so the, the battle could be lost there. All right, if the states already haven't, uh, you know, if people haven't already sued the state for uh, for an injunction to um, uh, or a cease and desist not to erase that data. Okay, it can be lost. I mean, it, the the easiest part would be to refer to the election data. Right, that's the that's the finish line that uh, the deep staters, the establishment Republicans. The Democrats, the rhinos, the globalist influence, that's the finish line they've been waiting for. They've been pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back to get to this point where everything that could assist us in a very easy fashion is no longer available to us. All right. So late in the game, guys, but here comes this lawsuit, okay, in the state of Texas. And, you know, for all I know, for all I know, the Secretary of State of Texas is going to go ahead and he's going to go ahead and, and erase the data on September 3rd, 2022. Maybe he'll wait until the 4th. But, um, I don't know, with, with this lawsuit in hand, you know, you know, we don't even actually, we don't even really need to review the data in Texas because of this lawsuit, Okay. So there are many, many people who are listed as defendants on this lawsuit. They include, I should have had this up the whole time. Uh, They include uh, Ruth R. Hughes, okay? She is the former Secretary of State for Texas. Now, don't forget, guys, the Secretary of State system in the state of Texas is broken. It's it's broken. It's, It's built... To uh, it's built for the scheme that we are currently living in for all of the uh, the illegalities in our in our state. That's what it's made for. Let's not forget, Secretary of State's term is the same uh, uh, as the governor, right? Four years per term. Okay, these guys cannot even make it two years, right? 
This is number five, right? This is this is Governor Abbott's number five, right here, Ruth R. Hughes. Okay, shortly after 2020, she resigns. Okay, she's got better things to do. She's got to go take care of her family. She's got to go uh, run a business. She's got to go take an office somewhere else. That's what they do. Okay, you know they just oh you know I served my time for the last year and a half to two years and uh, see ya. And so uh, Governor Abbott will appoint another one, and uh, the the next one is also listed in the lawsuit. And that would be uh, uh, Secretary of State John B. Scott. He is Texas' current Secretary of State. He is listed in this lawsuit. This man should be afraid. He's the one who took credit, right? He was like, oh, yeah, that's my forensic audit in Texas. My full sham flim-flam audit. You know, that amounts to a hill of beans, if not less than that. The audit we have in Texas that's supposedly forensic, the one that paid lip service to President Trump, the one that made Abbott look like he's actually doing stuff for Texas. Yeah, it, it, it ain't worth crap, ladies and gentlemen. It ain't worth crap, okay? It's already it's already defiled, and it's it's not even halfway done, okay? Should have been done a long time ago. Not even halfway done. So we got John B. Scott listed on the lawsuit. We also have this guy. Here is your real Texas Secretary of State, ladies and gentlemen. This is the real Texas Secretary of State. You know, Abbott's been through six people, but this is the real one. This is your lieutenant... Secretary of State, your deputy, you know, he's second in command here in the state of Texas. His name is Joe Esparza. He's the one who wrote the forensic audit for the state of Texas, not John B. Scott. Okay, this is the man. You want to talk about who's pulling the levers behind the curtains? It's been this man. This man's been with Abbott from day one. Think about that. Think about that. Joe Esparza has been with Abbott from day one. Okay, second in command in uh, the Secretary of State office for our na- for our state, guys, and uh, and that's that's the whoop, you know. You John and Ruth, they're just the face. That's all they are. They're the face and the and the voice. This is the brains. This is the man who's been doing everything behind the scenes. He's also listed in the um, in the. Uh, in the lawsuit, as well as a lot of other people. Okay, and so uh, let's go ahead and get into this, guys, because uh, we'll be here talking about this, and uh, this is probably going to be a part one, because I'm gonna we're going to go through this whole thing, guys. And uh, if you guys are here with us at the C report, and uh, you remember the things that I've talked about regarding some of the illegalities of our election system you'll probably recognize some of the things in this report, okay? I was very, 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 very pleased to see the, the people of Texas, they're paying attention, okay? They are paying attention, and I'm very, very happy about that, guys. So, uh, with that said, let's jump into it. Hey, Tam Growl, how are you doing? Good to see you over there at the foxhole. I have not seen you in a while, hun. I was going to write to you and find out what's going on because uh, you've been a miss. I hope everything's doing good on your side of the screen, sweetie. And it's good to see you. I've been worried about you. All right. Okay, so let's jump into this, guys. This is the lawsuit we'll be looking at. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. I'll talk a little bit more about where this lawsuit came from on the other side. But let's just jump into this right now. Okay, so uh, when we're talking about the uh, when we're talking about the patriotic Texans who filed this lawsuit, look at how many people are on this. It's all redacted, right? Because we got to protect them. These people, 
all of these Texans signed this lawsuit. I mean, to me, that's, that's, is this a class action lawsuit? <laughs> I was like, wow. So yeah, we got that many people awake here, guys, but this should be a really good example to the rest of the nation. For those of you who don't know what to do or, or how to do it, check this out. This is thorough. It's the most thorough lawsuit I think I've ever read. I mean, this is like, this is almost like reading John Durham's indictment against Michael Sussman. Guys, it's like, this is a speaking lawsuit. Like, whoa. Okay, so uh, here are your plaintiffs. We got Secretary of State uh, John B. Scott. Uh, we got um, Secretary of State, oh, Deputy Secretary of State Joe Esparza, Jose Esparza. Uh, and then, of course, Ruth R. Hughes. She was the previous Secretary of State. Um, and I highlighted one, I highlighted people who I thought were very interesting to me. Uh, but here you have like Keith Ingram. Um, it says, uh, he's the, the director of the elections division. Look at how many people are being sued in the state of Texas, guys. This is a laundry list of people. This is like, they're hitting everybody. Anyone who touched elections in the counties that are being sued are listed here. Uh, for Bear County, because that's my county, Jacqueline Callanen, she's the Bear County Elections Administrator, and I loved seeing this name on this list. Nelson Wolf, ladies and gentlemen. Nelson Wolf, Bear County Judge, and I had no idea he is the head of the Bear County Elections Commission. You know that this is going to be totally, totally, totally corrupt if Nelson Wolf is a... Nelson Wolf is a communist, guys. He is a downright hard Marxist, okay? He used to be the mayor of San Antonio. This man has kept this city and area corrupt for so long. I am so pleased to see this man's name on this lawsuit. And, you know, it's like you want to talk about, oh, well, how are Bear County elections corrupt? Oh, well, if Nelson Wolf is involved, it's going to be corrupt. Okay, it's going to be corrupt. And just that all of their, you know, how, how are they going to weasel their way out of this? Like, look at all these people on this list. Look, all of these people. I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm just going to call out the names like Rebecca Clay Flores. Uh, the Bear County Commissioner, right? Okay, because don't forget, guys, commissioners certify the elections, okay? If they certified a fraudulent election, they should be held to task. Not just the election commissioners, not just the election administrators, okay? In fact, they got the other um, Bear County Commissioners, Justin Rodriguez and uh, Marlene Barnard and Tommy Calvert, okay? Tommy Calvert, oh, hmm. Tommy Calvert, that's interesting. Anyhow, so uh, so we got the we got the long list of names. We got Bear County, we got Comal County, okay, and that's everyone from their elections coordinators down to their um, commissioners, right? We got Denton County is in play, Comal County is in play, uh, Harris County is in play. Uh, who else do we got? Hayes County is in play now. Hayes County is just south of Travis. We're talking, uh, we're talking Kyle, Texas. We're talking San Marcos, Texas. We're talking New Braunfels, Texas. Um, okay, and so that's all, that's all up and down the I-35 corridor, ladies and gentlemen. All up and down the I-35 corridor. Okay, uh, we also have in play, uh, what else do we got? We, have, we also got, um, uh, we got Hayes County, Hood County also is being sued. Uh, Parker County is also being sued. Uh, let's see, Tarrant County is being sued. Uh, 
Travis County is being sued, which is good. Travis County, that's 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 the seat of the capital here. Williamson County is being sued. These are all up and down the I-35 corridor. It's amazing. Okay, we also have uh, Montgomery County is being sued. Tarrant County is being sued. And they're being sued all in their individual and office capacities. Okay, this is a thorough list of individuals who will face you know, I want to say they'll face justice, but uh, why not? They'll face justice when time comes. Okay, so uh, look at this, guys. Table of contents. We're not going to read the table of contents, but this is how thorough this lawsuit is. Have you ever seen such a thing? I guess I could have just read it here. Hood, Parker, Comal, Tarrant, Bear, Travis, Hayes, Montgomery, Williamson, Colin, Denton, and Harris. Okay. Um... Man, I don't, this thing had to have taken some time to put together and not just the time, ladies and gentlemen, but also everything that, uh, every experience they had getting up to this point, man, I am totally blown away by this. I'm totally blown away. Um, so parties to the proceedings and, uh, here it lists all of the plaintiffs. Now this was, uh, this was, um, filed pro se, ladies and gentlemen, this was filed pro se. Now, I don't know much about litigation and I don't know much about <laughs> law, law, lawyer terms, but I think pro se means without an attorney or of their own, of their own ability, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but for not having an attorney, you guys, check all of this out. So basically all of the defendants listed above are being sued, it says, in support of the claims set forth herein, plaintiffs allege and aver facts as follows. Defendants knowingly and willfully neglected to uphold the Constitution, had foreknowledge of the events unfolding, chose to perpetrate unconstitutional measures by violating election laws, all of which constitutes breach of contract through the violations of their oaths of office. Um, and then apparently this Andrew Stephen Brown does not have an oath of office on file. So they thought they'd put that in there. It says, as a result of the above mentioned actions of the defendants, the quality, accuracy, and effectiveness of the plaintiffs, expression of their will, intent, and consent of their votes were impaired and are entitled to remedy under the U.S. Constitution Guarantee Clause. The elective mode of obtaining rulers is the characteristic policy of Republican government. Plaintiffs have a vested interest in protecting the quality, accuracy, and effectiveness of our individual votes to ensure our representative servants are lawfully elected by the consent of the governed for the protection against tyranny and for healthy maintenance of our Republican form of government afforded to us by our ancestors and for the benefit of our successors. Plaintiffs seek an order that the defendants adhere to the constitutionally protected process of collecting and counting votes that ensures integrity and transparency. This is to require hand-marked paper ballots that can be cast with anonymity following all Texas state election laws and hand-counted by residents of the state of Texas, not machines as Texas election law specifies. Additionally, Plaintiffs seek redress for the abuse and devastation of our constitutional rights and protections by our elected officials. 
Uh, and Disco Ball Chaser, hey Disco Ball Chaser, Disco Ball Chaser says yes, pro se means the people filed it without counsel, okay? Dang, y'all. <laughs> the people filed it without counsel. Thank you for that, real quick. Thank you for that, Miss Disco Ball. Uh, so then uh, this uh, section three here goes into the jurisdiction of the venue. Now, you know, jurisdiction of the venue is very important because this is where they get you. This is where they're like, well, you don't have standing. You don't have standing here in this court, in this county, in this town, in this state, whatever, you know. Uh, so these people did their homework on the jurisdiction and venue. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go through uh, uh, briefly through the first portion of this, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll get to the next section. It says, uh, plaintiffs bring this cause of action under original federal jurisdiction 52 USC, uh, section uh, 2050, uh, 2511 and, uh, of the HAVA, um, and uh, 42 1983 CD Civil Rights Act, civil action for deprivation of rights, violation of due process and equal protection, conspiracy to interfere with civil rights, neglect of duty, voting, writing laws. These are all of the, these are all of, <laughs> these are all the reasons why they have the jurisdiction right here, guys. Violation of due process, violation of constitutional rights, and cause of action recognized in ex parte Young 209 USC 123-1908, as well as its progeny to challenge government officers' ongoing violation on f of federal law and to seek uh, prospective relief under the equity jurisdiction conferred on federal district courts by the Judiciary Act of 1789. This court has subject matter jurisdiction pursuant to 28 U.S.C. 1331, 1343, because this action seeks to protect the civil rights under the 14th Amendment of the United States. So they're telling the court, this is why you're not going to tell us we don't have standing. This is why you're not going to be able to get us out of here, throw out this case or dismiss it on a technicality. Okay. This court has supplemental jurisdiction claims. This court has authority to grant declaratory relief. So in other words, in this lawsuit, they're getting ahead of the gun. They're getting ahead of the gun and they're telling you, look, before you try and say you don't have, we don't have standing or your court cannot oversee these proceedings, let me tell you why you can. And they give them all of the documentation as to why this court is able to hear the proceedings and why the court cannot throw it out on a technicality like you don't have standing. What they did to President Trump, okay? What they did to President Trump's legal team, they're telling him why you're not going to do this, okay? And see, that's the thing here is that th the courts work under the assumption that we, the people, are stupid and ignorant and we don't know or have any knowledge of litigation or, or how to uh, follow procedures or, or the, the laws or the codes. They work under that assumption, okay? And under that assumption, they can just toss it out. And hope that, uh, you know, yeah, they'll have to refile. It'll take some more time once they figure out that, oh, yeah, we do have jurisdictional um, um, oversights regarding these matters. Well, these guys got ahead of that. And they said, look, this is why you're going to look at it. This is why you're going to hear this case. This is why you're going to look at our lawsuit. You're not going to throw us out. You're not going to silence us. We know what we're talking about. Okay. Thorough. Thorough. Okay. Uh, this court has jurisdiction to grant injunctive relief, okay, uh, based on 28 U.S.C. 1343 A3 authority to do so under federal rule of civil procedure 65. This court has jurisdiction to award nominal compensatory damages under 28 Code U.S.C. Um, there exists an actual and ju uh, just, justice, justiciable controversy between plaintiffs, defendants requiring res resolution by this court. 
Plaintiffs have no adequate remedy at law. Um, venue is proper uh, before the United States uh, District Court for the Northern District of Texas under 28 U.S.C. 1391-A1. Governs the venue of all civil actions brought in district courts of the United States and uh, a civil action may be brought in one, a judicial district in which any defendants reside. If all defendants are residents of the state in which the district is located because a substantial part of events or omissions giving rise to the plaintiff's claims occurred in this district. Okay, so ain't no way, no how that this court should be able to throw this case out based on um, based on uh, standing, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so let's look at uh, they they break off into this section here. Constitutional questions. Uh, The specific questions brought before this court are, if the electronic voting systems are not lawfully certified in compliance with voting system standards, does it impede the plaintiff's lawful vote in elections? Now, they're giving the judge something to think about as he's reading this lawsuit, okay? This is, man, guys, I cannot tell you how thorough this thing is. So the judge is going to have to ask himself these questions or herself these questions um, as they uh, as they uh, as they as they get into reading the uh, the main text of this of this paper of this uh, filing. So uh, the next question is, if the electronic voting systems and their various devices are not lawfully certified, does it cause the plaintiffs to cast illegal ballots. Oh, there's something you should think about, right? Like if they're not certified, does that make the ballots legal? Hmm. I know you guys know the answer to this question. We've been talking about this for a minute. Since Texas officials presented uncertified voting systems as certified, did they abridge the plaintiff's federally protected right to vote as well as affronted Texas Penal Code 37.03, and uh, 18 U.S. Code 2? In other words, since Texas officials presented uncertified voting systems as certified, did they break the law? <laughs> oh boy, this is going to get good. Uh, would it dilute the expressed intent and effectiveness of the plaintiff's voice if the electronic voting systems and their various devices are vulnerable to hacking, tampering, and algorithmic pre-programming? Do you kind of get where this lawsuit is going, guys? Do you get where this is going? Okay, this is this is deep, y'all. If the electronic voting systems are, by design, unreliable mechanisms for accurately collecting, retaining, and communicating the expression of the plaintiff's vote, is it acceptable to injure the plaintiff's voice and will under the constitutional premise of the consent of the govern declaration of independence guarantee clause? They're hitting hard and heavy, y'all. Were constitutionally protected free and fair elections negatively impacted by Texas officials' modification of election laws? Hmm? Hmm? Were constitutionally protected free and fair elections negatively impacted by these Texas officials' modification of election laws? What are we hearing? What are we hearing in Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin's taking the cake on the legality of those elections, right? And what has been deduced, okay? What has been deduced there so far, okay? 
they've already said this should be decertified in Wisconsin because the laws were broken. Okay, the laws were broken because all because the Wisconsin Election Commission decided that they could modify the election laws, which is against state law and federal law. Okay, illegal. Okay, food for thought, judge. As you start going through this lawsuit, hmm. Food for thought. If the acting representative servants were unlawfully elected as a result of unreliable, unlawful vote collection devices, are they acting in their official capacity? Oh, man. Would they not then be impersonating public service? Do you get what this is asking right here? Do you get what this is? Do you get what this is asking? What, what have we been saying about these machines not being certified? that the people who are currently in office are illegally inhabiting their office. Okay, that's what this is asking. If the representative servants were unlawfully elected, okay, as a result of unreliable, unlawful vote collection devices, are they impersonating public servants? The elected officials within the Texas courts prevent a fair hearing of cases involving the election. Where can plaintiffs find an objective perspective without being denied redress of grievances? Mm -hmm. The elected officials within the Texas courts. Because don't forget, we also elect judges. Okay, we also elect judges. So if these elected officials, if these elected judges prevent a fair hearing of cases involving the election, where can we go to redress, uh, um, to, um, to um, um, address our grievances, right? Uh, you know, and I think this right here is kind of saying, hey, judge, you're elected also. And if you throw this out, you need to tell us where we can go, okay? What is the constitutional remedy for the usurpation of the plaintiff's role as the underlying governmental authority and for forcing the plaintiffs to participate in their own servitude through fraudulent policies, systems, and measures? What is the constitutional rep- remedy? So in other words, when, uh, when, when our role as the governed, uh, the governors, right, when the people who's supposed to be the ones who call the shots. When that is taken over, what is our constitutional remedy? That's more food for thought for the judge, right? Okay. In other words, when all of this is a sham and when every, and we're not even selecting our own people and the whole thing is fake and fraud and it's all taken away. How do we, how do we remedy that per the constitution? How do we remedy that? Okay. Well, I think we know what, what the remedy is. I mean, the constitution says you separate, right? You separate and you, you form another union. Uh, It's more food for thought, you know, more food for thought. Okay. All right. Introduction, man. This is, this is like, this, this thing is as good as John Durham, if not better. Right. I mean, I thought John Durham's indictment on Michael Sussman was like masterful writing. Like this is something that should be studied as well. This is something that should be studied as well, ladies and gentlemen. And, and don't forget, this was written pro se. That means this is not written by a lawyer, okay? This was written by a citizen of Texas. A Texan put this thing together, guys. A Texan. Introduction. 
Uh, plaintiffs have performed all necessary conditions as precedent to bring this suit. The United States and Texas Constitution protect our First Amendment rights, including the right to petition the governed, uh, to, the right to petition the government to seek resolution for grievances. We, the voters of the sovereign state of Texas, have addressed both houses of the Texas le state legislatures, school boards across the state, district attorneys' offices, city councils, county commissioners, judges, Governor Abbott. Attorney General Paxton, Texas Secretary of State Office, filed suits in district and federal courts, including the Texas Supreme Court, and have found no relief. You see? So, so what this is saying here, guys, is this masterful lawsuit took so long to get here. August 8th, 2022, I'm reporting on it. They filed it on July 20th, okay? And we got less than a month before all of our election data can, uh, by federal law, be erased. But they had to walk every single step forward, step by step, one foot at a time, one foot at a time. Before they could put something like this together, y'all, before they could put something like this together, they went to the legislatures. They talked to the Republicans. They talked to the Senate. They talked to the representatives. In, con in the Texas Congress. They talked to the school boards. They talked to the commissioners. They went to the district attorneys. They filed lawsuits all of these places. They probably got kicked out. They probably got, oh, this, oh, that, oh, this, oh, no, 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 no standing, none of this, none of that. Okay, they went, they asked Governor Abbott. They asked Attorney, pa Attorney General Paxton. Even the Secretary of State's office would not address any of these concerns. So they are filing this lawsuit in toto with, <laughs> it's just... All of the steps, guys, the, the long road, okay, the long road, lawfare, it takes a damn long time for justice to get served. And it's like I like to say, when it comes to justice being served, the line is out the door, around the corner of the restaurant, and a block down. But you know what? The, the, the staff, it's understaffed, but justice is coming. It might take a minute. That line is out the door. Everyone's waiting for that justice to be served. There's no one in the kitchen, but it's coming, okay? It takes a long time to get there, but it gets there. And, and this, is, this is the way you do it nowadays. You don't go and get your gun, okay? You don't go and shoot up people. You don't, you don't go and... I mean, yeah, you can protest. I used to protest, right? I mean, that's what I would do. That's, that's, what, that's how I spent my time, you know, back before President Trump was in office. And then it was just weird after that, like... Going from the protester to like, what the hell are these people protesting about? But, you know, this is how you do it. In this day and age, the way to beat this in a nonviolent way, okay? And that's why they want war. And that's why they want a patriot to go out and shoot people so that they have cause to bring down the hammer on us, okay? But this is setting an example, ladies and gentlemen. This is setting an example of how long it takes and it's it, all of these steps and it's not even over yet. You know, we have to see where this is going to go. We have to see where this is going to go. What's the response going to be? And I'm going to, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm quite lucky. I found this. Okay. Hard to track down. Okay. Cause, uh, I don't know. Well, that, that's, that, that's neither here nor there. 
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The Sea Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecereport.com. At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com. That's www.thecereport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, CloutHub, and Hill.net. This is way more important than uh, all of the rock stars being here this weekend. Sorry, guys. Maybe we'll cover that tonight on the Sea Report, but not for Lone Star News. Way too important, guys. Way too important. Real quick, let me just say hello. Uh, Skeeter Burke's in the ha- house. Hey, Skeeter Burke. We're talking about our state today. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Tam Growl, thank you for gifting the shades. Thank you for gifting the shades, Tam Growl. And I'll do this for you. Gifting the shades. All right. Woo. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, hon. Okay. Can't get those off. Okay. <laughs> And uh, looks like we also got D-Patriot1776 coming in. Hey, D-Patriot, how you doing? Good to, good to see you again. Glad you're joining us. Okay, guys. All right, let's jump back into this lawsuit. All right. Uh, so uh, the plaintiffs for this lawsuit found no relief in all of those agencies and offices that they went to, right? Here's some more. Plaintiffs have been called consp- whoops. Plaintiffs have been called conspiracy theorists, labeled domestic terrorists by the DOJ and Attorney General Merrick Garland. Yet we remain undaunted in our quest to seek redress for the violation of our rights. Plaintiffs have not received justice in the matter of the 2020 election and have been forced to utilize the same uncertified internet-connected voting machines for the November 2nd, 2021 election and beyond. Here's a quote from Justice Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas says, Justice Thomas says, In my humble opinion, those who come to engage in debates of consequence and who challenge accepted wisdom should expect to be treated badly. Nonetheless, they must stand undaunted. That is required, and that should be expected, for it is bravery that is required to secure freedom. Oh, give me That gave me some shivers, guys. That gave me some shivers. Um, lawsuit continues. We come before this court with the acquired knowledge that we are free solely on paper. We attempted to exercise our constitutional rights to duly elect state and federal officials, but our rights have been deprived due to lack of integrity and accountability. No right is more precious in in a free country than that of having a voice in the election of those who make the laws under which, as good citizens, we must live. Other rights, even the most basic, are illusory if the right to vote is undermined. What have I said, guys? What have I said? Our vote is more than our voice, okay? Our vote is literally, literally symbolic of our freedom and our liberty. If we don't have a vote, if our vote is, uh, is just a sham, we don't have freedom, okay? We don't, right? 
This is just so masterful. It's like, this is like literature, guys. It's like literature. I'm going to read that part again. We come before this court with the acquired knowledge that we are free solely on paper. We attempted to exercise our constitutional rights to duly elect state and federal officials, but our rights have been deprived due to lack of integrity and accountability. No right is more precious in a free country than that of having a voice in the election of those who make the laws under which, as good citizens, we must live. Other rights, even the most basic, are illusory if the right to vote is undermined. Lawful elections are the backbone of our local, state, and federal government. The right to vote is protected by the Equal Protection Clause and the Due Process Clause alongside the First and Fifteenth Amendment, which guarantee we are not to be denied the right to cast our ballots by malicious and or conspiring actors. Because the right to vote is personal. Every voter in a federal election, whether he votes for a candidate with little chance of winning or for one with little chance of losing, has a right under the Constitution to have his vote fairly counted. Justice Thomas wrote in his dissent regarding the state of Texas v. Pennsylvania. Now, don't forget, the, the state of Texas v. Pennsylvania, that is the one that A.G. Paxton filed in 2020, shortly after... Um, well, 2021, shortly after the courts threw out all of uh, the um, all of the uh, proceedings that were, were happening with Trump's litigation team. This is the one where it was A.G. Paxton v. Pennsylvania for disenfranchising the state of Texas. And then we had like 21 other states join in with us. You remember? And then they threw that out for lack of standing. So in regard to that case, when the Supreme Court threw that out, this is what Justice Thomas had to say about that. Justice Thomas said, here we have the opportunity to do so almost two years before the next federal election. In other words, here, right now, we have the opportunity to do so almost two years before 2022, before the next federal election cycle. Our refusal to do so by hearing these cases is befuddling. One wonders what this court waits for. We failed to settle this dispute before the election and thus provide clear rules. Now we again fail to provide clear rules for future elections. The decision to leave election law hidden beneath a shroud of doubt is baffling. By doing nothing, we invite further confusion and erosion of voter confidence. Okay? Our fellow citizens deserve better and expect more of us. I respectfully dissent. Yeah. So, you know, when people when when you have the legacy media and you have these leftist people out there and they're all saying, oh, you know, these dang Republicans or oh, these dang Trump supporters, you know, they're out there questioning the elections and they're causing um, they're causing uh, us to have uh, um, uh, less confidence in our elections. They're the ones who are making people less confident in our elections. No, we're not the ones. They're the ones. The Supreme Court's the one. Just as Justice Thomas said here, because they did not address this issue since they just tossed it out, didn't even didn't even bother to uh, to say yay or nay on it or give any kind of an opinion. It is because of that. OK, 
So if you have if you have a Democrat or you have a rhino saying, you know, 2020 is done, let's look forward to 2024, whatever, you're just causing you're just causing people to question elections. You tell them no, because you did not address 2020. When we asked you to, this is why we are where we are today, and we're not going to stop. Period. Plaintiffs believe we deserve better, and we expect more from our elected and appointed officials in the judicial, executive, and legislative branches. The time has come, as Justice Thomas inquired of the court, to address the legal failures outlined in this lawsuit. Let's get into some of those legal failures, ladies and gentlemen. Factual allegations. I love this. Accreditation failures. Accreditation failures. What has been said? We could nullify the entire 2020 election, ladies and gentlemen, legally. Okay? Legally. And here's why. The Help America Vote Act of 2002 was passed by the United States uh, Congress to address improvements to voting systems and voter access following the 2000 election hanging chads. HAVA creates mandatory minimum standards for states to follow for several areas of election administration. HAVA law provides funding to help states meet new standards, replace and purchase new voting systems, and improve election administration such as security. HAVA established the Election Assistance Commission, the EAC, to assist HAVA in uh, to assist states in HAVA compliance and to distribute HAVA funds. The EAC is also charged with regulating and creating voting system guidelines and operating and managing the first federally run voting system certification program. HAVA provided directives to the National Institute of Standards and Technology to assist the EAC in its accreditation of voting testing laboratory systems. Okay, a lot of this language should be familiar to my audience. All right. The EAC, the Election Assistance Commission, right? Um, The um, the um, VSTL, the Voting Systems Testing Laboratories, right? Everything that is there that need is needed to certify the machines and to accredit uh, accredit the um, the uh, testing laboratories. When the NIST evaluates laboratories to assess assist whether they can be accredited or not, the NIST relies on the National Voluntary Laboratory Accreditation Program to determine competency. An on-site review of the lab is to take place and the lab is to demonstrate competency in performing multiple tasks in a voting system review. The Election Assistance Commission and the NIST work together assessing laboratories to evaluate whether they can be accredited. The NIST relies on the NVLAP to determine competency. The Elections Assistance Commission developed the EAC's Voting System Test Laboratory Accreditation Program. The procedural requirements of this program are contained in the EAC's Voting System Test Laboratory Accreditation Program Manual, the EAC's Voting System Test Laboratory Program Manual, Pro-VNV and SLI Compliance. Now, Pro-VNV and SLI Compliance are the... Um, are the um, um, are the um, accredi- uh, accreditation the accredited um, 
uh, voting test uh, laboratories, okay? These are the ones that come out and they're the ones who are supposed to do the, uh, the um, certification. So Pro-V&V and SLI compliance per the EAC were the only two accredited voting system testing laboratories during the elections from 2020 to present. Yeah, DPatriot1776 says alphabet soup. I know, right? That's why, that's why I make every attempt to read uh, out the uh, actual name and not use EA because EAC and the VSTL and the NIST and the NVLAP. I mean, I mean, if you're someone who's brand new to this or you just stumble upon this broadcast, you're gonna be like, "What the heck are these guys talking about?" I thought it was only the FBI and the CIA, right? <laughs> I make every attempt to read out the the uh, the name of the uh, of the uh, the agency. It's just NIST and, and NVLAP. It's like uh, trying to remember that. But uh, anyhow, uh, but Pro VNV and SLI compliance. Those are, that is their name. So there's no uh, there's no breakdown to that, right? Uh, or is it Pro Verified and Voting? I don't know. Uh, VST. Okay, Voting System Testing Laboratories are responsible for the examination of the use of commercial off the shelf components as well as the examination of other applications, software, and components deemed to be proprietary. So now this is a really interesting part here. Here's another, here's another alphabet soup, COTS. COTS, commercial off the shelf. What that means is the parts and pieces that the machines are made out of, where do they come from? And commercial off the shelf is just another way of saying they're kind of generic. They're usually more inexpensive. They're easy to acquire. It's not like you have to go through some kind of like uh, specialized store or business or, 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 or company to, to uh, acquire the parts that you use to create the, um, the, the voting machines. Okay, so that's what COTS is about. So whenever we say commercial off the shelf, they're talking about the parts and pieces that make up the actual voting machines. So uh, the voting system testing laboratories, such as ProVNV and SLI compliance, are responsible not only for the application software and components for the voting machines, they're also responsible for the examination of the commercial off-the-shelf components or the COTS components uh, in addition to those other factors. Voting System Test Laboratory Program Manual Version 2.0, effective May 31st, 2015, page 38, section 3.61, Certificate of Accreditation. A Certificate of Accreditation shall be issued to each laboratory by vote of the commissioners. The certificate shall be signed by the chair of the commission. Okay. And it states, um, and, uh, well, that's basically what we just read is what it states here. It shall be issued by the, uh, by the vote, by the chair of the commission, um, and uh, it shall name the name of the VSTL. Oh, I, I apologize. Uh, what we're looking right here at section 3.1.6 uh, is what you will find on the certificate of accreditation, right? Signature by the chair of the commission, the name of, this, the, name of the VSTL, the Voting System Test Laboratory, the scope of the accreditation by stating the federal standard or standards to which the voting system testing laboratory is competent to test and the effective date of the certification, which shall not exceed a period of two years. Okay, this should all sound very familiar to y'all because <laughs> this should sound familiar to y'all because we went through this like 
two times thoroughly on our uh, on the C report in the past. So the effective date of the certification, which shall not exceed a period of two years, and the technical standards to which the laboratory was accredited. So uh, they focus here the effective date of the certification, which shall not exceed a period of two years. So not just the date is important, but the signature on the lab certification of accreditation is very crucial. Okay. Now, just a real quick breakdown. The voting system testing laboratories, ProVNV and SLI compliance, they certify the machines, right? Okay. But ProVNV and SLI compliance have to be accredited. Okay. If they are not accredited, then their certification is illegal, unlawful, or null, whichever way you want to look at it. Think about it like at school, right? You know, if you have a school, it must be accredited, right? Or a university accredited so that they can issue their certifications to the teachers or to the people that they, uh, uh, that they graduate, right? They can't do all that if they're not certified and, and they can't get certification if the school is not accredited, right? That's kind of like my generic an, uh, analogy there to, um, better lock into what we're talking about with these systems. So, and this is all in the body of the lawsuit. That's what we're reading, guys. Uh, commission chairman only served one year. So the uh, commissioner of the EAC who has to sign the certification of accreditation for pro and and SLI, the voting system test laboratories, that commission chairman only serves one year, but their signature is good on these certificates for two years. Both Donald Palmer and Benjamin Hovland were appointed by President Trump and confirmed in the Senate on February 4th, 2019 as EAC commissioners, but not chairman. Okay, so what they're what they're pointing out here is that it's the commissioner. I mean, sorry, it's the chairman who's supposed to sign, um, not the commissioners. Now, Donald Palmer and Benjamin Hovland, whose names appear on some of these certificates, were not chairmen. They were commissioners. They were appointed by President Trump, which kind of makes me wonder if these guys were infiltrators or were working behind his back to make sure that uh, what he did, um, uh, that it would not be good work. And, and the reason why I say that is because one of the other angles that the deep state may have come at President Trump, like say 2020 happens, we beat the fraud, President Trump stays optically in office. Very, very possible. If you think about this, like if you're thinking about kind of like the strategies here and all that stuff, very, very possible that uh, they could have gone to the EAC and they could have been like, oh, look, these systems were not certified since 2017. Do you think that could have been a strategy? Do you think that could have been a strategy that, uh, you know, the Democrats and the progressives and anyone that did not like President Trump or wanted him in office could have used? Do you think that maybe that these machines were not certified and that these uh, certifications uh, and the accreditations were not there? So that this way they could throw that in Trump's face had he um, um, beat out Biden, optically speaking, had their had their fraud failed. Do you think that's a route that they could have taken? 
I mean, it's just interesting questions to ask, considering how badly managed this was. You know, it's it's like Georgia. They call it severe mismanagement, but everyone else calls it fraud. You know what I mean? And maybe they would have gotten President Trump for fraud on that. I don't know. Like, I don't know how that would have worked, but it makes you wonder, though. I mean, at least it makes me wonder. Uh, let's see here. Uh, no title of press release. Okay, it says uh, news commissioners, commissioners Hovland, Palmer sworn in to restore quorum at EAC. Donald Palmer was elected commission chairman February 24th, 2021. Uh, Benjamin Hovland was appointed commission chairman February 2020. Neither of the above could be valid signatures on the laboratory certificates of accreditation since none were issued in 2020. Quorum, according to the EAC, was not restored until the appointment of Palmer and Hovland on February 4th, 2019. Christy McCormick was elected as commission chairwoman on February 24th, 2019. For the 2020 general election, Christy McCormick's signature should be on all EAC laboratory certificates of accreditation. According to a list of the state's own requirements posted on the EAC Election Assistance Commission's website and the U.S. Election Assistance Commission's Voting System Testing and Certification Program, the state of Texas participates as set forth. Okay, so taking it back down to Texas... Texas requires federal certification. So in other words, for Texas to authorize an election, they require that we follow in line with federal certification. Okay. Texas requires that its voting systems meet the current FEC standards as well as state requirements. A voting system may not be used in an election unless the system operates safely, efficiently, and accurately and complies with the error rate standards of the voting system standards adopted by the Federal Election Commission. That's Texas Code 122.01. It says here, for any voting machine to be certified for use in Texas elections, the system shall have been certified if applicable by means of a qualified testing by a nationally recognized testing laboratory and shall meet or exceed the minimum requirements set forth in the performance and test standards of for punch card, mark sense, and direct recording electronic voting systems or in any successor voluntary standard document developed and promulgated by the FEC. The Secretary of State accepts applications to examine and certifying voting systems and appoints four people to examine the voting system. While the Attorney General appoints two people as examiners, each examiner inspects the voting system and submits a report to the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State will conduct a public hearing to provide interested persons an opportunity to express their views for or against the approval of the voting system. Man, did you hear that, Texas? Did you hear that? Okay. According to Texas um, a code, ladies and gentlemen, according to Texas election code, our secretary of state is to hold an open public hearing for we, the people to express our views for or against the um, approval of a voting system. Okay. Interesting. That that's something I never knew. Okay. Cause don't forget in Texas, our Secretary of State is appointed. It's not elected. So that's very crucial right there. Following the public hearing, 
The Secretary of State shall prepare a written report stating why the voting system was approved or denied. Um, getting back into the, uh, okay, so here, the manual also states that the voting system testing laboratories must renew their accreditation in a timely manner, okay, in a timely manner. Uh, expiration and renewal of accreditation. A grant of accreditation is valid for a period not to exceed two years. A voting system testing laboratory's accreditation expires on the date annotated on the certificate of accreditation. Voting system testing laboratories in good standing shall renew their accreditation by submitting an application package to the program director consistent with the procedures of section 3.4 of this chapter no earlier than 60 days before the accreditation expiration date and no later than 30 days before that date. Laboratories that timely file the renewal application package shall retain their accreditation while the review and processing of their application is pending. Uh, voting system testing laboratories in good standing shall also retain their accreditation should circumstances leave the EAC, the Election Assistance Commission, without a quorum to conduct the vote required under Section 3.5.5. Okay. So I know this sounds like very, very technical jargon mumbo jumbo guys but very very crucial to this lawsuit they're telling they're they're spelling out for the judge all of the rules regulations laws codes that they're about to pull it out you know for them in other words they're not just going to give him their accusations and their findings they're going to tell them why these findings are um are valid right so it's it sounds like a lot but again this is a great roadmap for any state in this union, for anyone who's wondering what to do, how to do, what to put, what to write, and when to write it. And I say when, because don't, don't forget, a lot of this comes after they've already addressed district attorneys, the Secretary of State's office, A.G. Paxton, the governor. You know, they've already, they already went through that whole millwork. Uh, they went through all of the legwork that brought them to this point. So that's the when, ladies and gentlemen. When did this happen? After all of after they had exercised and exhausted all of their options. It comes down to this. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the EAC issued the modifications to the manual regarding 3.8 on July 23rd, 2021, without proper action under 52 U.S. Code 551, HAVA Act 52 U.S. Code 20901, and Federal Advisory Committee Act, 5 USC um, uh, uh, 2 subsection uh, section 1 through 15. It says modifications shall be reviewed and commented on by the EAC Board of Advisors and the EAC Standards Board or the requirement by HAVA and the APA guidelines of any modifications shall be provided to the public for notice and comment prior to approval. HAVA prohibits the EAC, the Elections Assistance Commission, from voting to adopt final guidelines until as given both the Board of Advisors and the Standards Board 90 days to review and comment <clears throat> on the proposed guidelines and has taken into consideration their comment, process, and recommendations. HAVA additionally requires a public notice and comment process that includes publication of the proposed guidelines in the Federal Register, Opportunity for public comment on the proposed guidelines and opportunity for a public hearing on the record. So section 3.8 of the manual, that's this part right here. 
So apparently they changed this part right here about the timelines. And they did that change on July 23rd, 2021. But they did not follow the requirements to do so. Okay, that's what all of this was just about. It says SLI compliance certification issued January 10th, 2018, effective January 10th, 2021, exceeding more than two years, should be signed by chair of commission. And here is your, here is your uh, cert cert certificate of accreditation. So you have your SLI compliance, okay? Effective through January 10th, 2021. And it was originally signed in, uh, signed on January 10th. So they went a year over and uh, it was signed by Brian Newby, Executive Director, U.S. Assistant Election Assistance Commission. So not the chairperson. Three years over time, 18 to 19, 19 20, 20, 21, right? So... I mean, it's, it's, they already, they already broke their own laws here, their own rules. Okay. Uh, Pro VNV, uh, election assistance commission certification issued February 24th, 2015 valid through February 24th, 2017 should be signed by chair of commission issued February 24th, 2017. Oh no, I take that back. I apologized. Uh, valid through February 24th, 2017, signed on February 24th, 2015 by the acting executive director of the Elections Assistance Commission. Now, this one right here, okay, guys, that's why I say every, well, just about every election, guys, just about every election. 2018 forward, particularly 2020, should be rendered null and void, okay? Should be rendered null and void because uh, this thing was expired in 2017. Pro V and V. SLI compliance certification original issued February 28th, 2007. Dated February 1st, 2021 exceeding more than two years, and it should be signed by the chair of the commissioner. Okay. So uh, here, let's see right here. Does it say who signed it? It says the executive director signed that one as well. Program manual will say the effective date of the certification will, which shall not exceed a period of two years, 2007 to 2021. That's a pretty big jump there. Wouldn't you say guys? Pretty big jump. Pro VNV and EAC certification originally issued February 24, 2015, dated February 21st, 2021. Again, exceeding two years and not signed by the commissioner. This was another executive director. It says taking into consideration of just the certificates issued in 2021, the certificates of accreditation have multiple issues with them indicating they are still not in compliance with the laws and guidelines set by HAVA and the state of Texas, emphasis added. 
The accreditations are not signed by the chair of the commission, but by the EAC executive director, Mona Harrington. The chair is Thomas Hicks. Mona Harrington has never even been a commissioner. A list of their commissioners is uh, provided for the judge to review. Indeed, Thomas Hicks is the chairman. It says, a vote for a voting system testing laboratories re-accreditation is taken by the EAC and shall be passed by a vote of three commissioners. The EAC did not uh, meet quorum, uh, did not meet quorum for the year of 2018 due to only having two commissioners. Until Hovland and Palmer were nominated, no quorum was met until February of 2019, in which Christy McCormick's signature would be required. This means that no voting system testing laboratories were properly accredited for the 2020 presidential election on November 3rd, 2020, and continue to be unaccredited due to lack of compliance. Now, let's take this back down to like, you know, let's take this back down to my level. Blue collar layman, right? Like, oh, come on. You know, it's, it's just a certification. The, the elections went okay. Everything's fine. There was no one, no, there was no fraud. You know, there's no, no, nothing outright done bad to the people. It was the most secure election in our nation's history. It's just a piece of paper, okay? It, I mean, they did their job. The people at the people at the EAC, they're good people, right? You know, uh, uh, Christy McCormick's a good person. Uh, Thomas Hicks is a good person. They they don't have anything on their record. They've never committed fraud. You know, uh, you know, we, what's the big deal? What's it's just a signature. It's just a certification. It's just you know a date. Uh, you know, it's just, I mean, it might not be the chairperson, but at least it was someone for the, the EAC. At least someone signed it. Someone was looking over everything, right? I mean, would you say the same thing about, uh, I don't know, a doctor who's about to perform heart surgery or neurosurgery on you? But more importantly, what about the rule of law, okay? What about the rule of law? What about us being a constitutional republic? Should it matter that, uh, that there was uh, the wrong date or, you know, they filled in, they backdated it or retroactivate and, you know, I mean, at least it was done, right? No, it matters. It matters, okay? Integrity to the law, okay? They are the ones who set out these regulations for themselves, they should be expected to carry it out, to follow through, to honor their own laws. We cannot let this just pass by off on nothing just because uh, the machines worked, right? Because someone who lacks integrity, particularly in the judicial field, could look at everything that we just went through, can reflect on the last two or three years, they can reflect on the last five years and be like, all the elections seem to be fine. Nothing broke down because of a lack of accreditation or certification. So what's the big deal? You know, and you know that there would be some judge out there that would say, well, uh, yes, uh, the law does state this. But uh, considering the previous few years and how everything has gone, you know, it's OK. No, it's not OK. It's not OK. A judge could read everything that we just went through and be like, 
these crybabies, like, why are they making a big deal out of this? Like, the elections were fine, right? They could totally look at it like that. But someone who is honorable will immediately see what is wrong here, okay? Because this was the easiest way to take care of 2020, guys. Everything that we just read right here had, had, had everyone seen how important this was, you know? I mean, everyone should be in an uproar. Everyone should have been in an uproar about this the first time I went through this last year, okay? Everyone should have been in an uproar. Everyone should have been writing to their congressmen, writing to their senators, writing to their commissioners, giving them all of this information. Like, like you know, like 19 children just got shot in the bullet with a bullet. Like, that's how bad this is. Yeah, no life was lost. Oh, but our liberty was lost. Oh, but our freedom was lost, Okay. Let's go fight about abortions, right? I mean, that's the kind of energy that should be behind this type of information. Do you guys get it? Like, that's how big this is. And that's why people like me get a little frustrated sometimes, you know? Because this could have taken out everything. If everyone put the energy behind this, such as 19 kids getting killed in El Paso or, or Uvalde, and I'm sorry for using that as an example of impetus, but if, if that kind of energy was put behind this kind of information, can you imagine how quickly we could have gotten this taken care of? First, we have to know, right? First, we have to be aware of it. First, we need to know. A lot of us didn't know. I didn't find out about this until like late last year, okay? First thing I did was report on it as quick as I could. But point being, that's how big this, this deal is. This is a big deal. You guys have seen me blow up on the C report because of this. Okay, so I'm going to try not to do it again. But I'm trying to just really show you guys how easy it could have been to have taken out 2020 and restored Trump into office and gotten our country back on track and not deal with everything that we're going through right now with the mass invasion and, and, and yeah, high inflation and all of that good stuff, which is not good at all. But that's how big it is, okay? So let me, uh, let me see how much more we got through this particular section so we can, uh, we can cut it for today's episode because we're already at that point. Uh, let me go through a little bit more of this, and then because uh, I think this is all on the EAC here. Here, let me uh, let me take a look behind the scenes while you guys are off in the um, chat rooms and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us here over at Lone Star News, uh, talking about this lawsuit that has been filed against every every person who who deals with elections uh, at the state level and then also in various counties around. We have like, what, 200 and something counties in Texas. 200 and something counties. So um, I'll tell you what, there's about like, what, eight to 10 of them that are listed in this lawsuit. Okay. We got a little bit more way to go. Let me see if that was a good stopping point. So the last thing we mentioned here, of course, is that the big whoop, like this is the mic drop moment. Bam! No VSTLs were properly accredited for the 2020 presidential election on November 3rd, 2020. Okay, we'll just finish through here real quick, guys. And then uh, we will uh, call it a day for this uh, edition of Lone Star News. 
The EAC provided the following for SLI compliance and ProVNV dated January 21st, 2021, stating COVID-19 circumstances, which was not in accordance to the Voting Systems Testing uh, Laboratories version 2.0 section 3.8 pre-COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Reaccreditation should have been properly issued in 2017 and 2018, respectively. Now, the reason why they put that in um, they put that in the uh, lawsuit is because the EAC, the Elections Assistance Commission, said the reason why SLI compliance and Pro VNV were not accredited for the 2020 election is because of COVID-19. That's what they said. But if you guys remember the dates, the accreditations expired in 2017 and in 2018, respectively, which was prior to COVID-19. So there's no excuse why these voting system testing laboratories should not have been properly accredited for the 2020 election because one would have expired in 2021 and one would have expired in late uh, in 2020. So at least one of them would have been accredited for the for the November 3 elections, okay? At least one of them would have been um <clears throat> accredited. Uh the COVID excuse falls flat and crosses over to dishonesty. People just trying to save their own asses, right? During quorum the Elections Assistance Commission is required to vote on reaccreditation. There was no quorum for a year prior to 2019. So even in so in 2017, okay? No, sorry, I take that back. In 2018, they still would not have been able to accreditate one of those voting system testing laboratories because they had no quorum until 2019. Accreditation would not have been possible in order to be in accordance with HAVA of 2002 Section 231B and the Voluntary Voting System Guidelines in clear violation of the law. Quorum would have and needed to be held well before any real or perceived complications due to COVID-19. And uh, this is a letter here from uh, Jerome Lovato of the Voting System Testing and Certification. He's the director. Uh, and the subject is SLI Compliance uh, Election Systems Commission Voting System Testing Laboratory Accreditation. Date here is uh, January 27, 2021. SLI Compliance, a division of Gambling Laboratories International, uh, has... Uh, completed all requirements to remain in good standing with the Election Assistance Commission's testing and certification program per Section 3.8 of the Voting System Test Laboratory Manual. It says here, expiration and renewal of accreditation. And so it explains what's in that Section 3.8. Then it says here, due to the outstanding circumstances posed by COVID-19, the renewal process for the EAC laboratories has been delayed for an extended period. While this process continues, SLI retains its EAC VSTL accreditation. So Jerome Lovato lied, right? He lied. Same thing here for uh, Pro VNV. Lie, liar. He's a lying liar. 
Uh, it says here, the Ele Elections Assistant Commission again provided on its website July 22nd, 2021 on both ProVNV and SLI compliance, VSTL accreditation pages, yet another excuse regarding the lack of proper and legal accreditations. Um, so it says here, ProVNV was accredited by the EAC on February 24, 2015, and SLI compliance was accredited by the EAC on February 28, 2007. Federal law provides that the EAC accreditation of a voting system test laboratory cannot be revoked unless the EAC commissioner votes to revoke the accreditation. The accreditation of the laboratory for purposes of this section may not be revoked unless the revocation is approved by a vote of the commissioner. The EAC has never voted to revoke the accreditation of ProVNV. ProVNV has undergone continuing accreditation assessments and had new accreditation certificate issued on February 21st. So isn't that funny? So when it, when it was like, oh, wait, but uh, COVID didn't happen uh, during the time that you could have um, reaccredited it, they come up with this thing here. Well, the only way that you can revoke, um, that you can, uh, a system can be unaccredited un is if they revoke the accreditation, right? So they break this down. The effective date of the certification, which shall not exceed a period of two years, okay? The effective date of the certification, which shall not exceed a period of two years, to revoke is the process of taking away. The accreditation was not taken away. The, it expired, right? It expired. So they're trying to do, uh, they're trying to do word, you know, games here. Um, Jerome Lovato did. The regulation clearly states that the accreditation is for two-year period only. The EAC's use of this section is disingenuous, okay? 52 U.S. Code 20971C2 is not applicable to section 3.6.13, and the effective date of the accreditation as the accreditation exceeded the period of two years. The statute does not refer to continued accreditation due to any failure of action by the private laboratories and or the Election Assistance Commission's program director. This is erroneous reasoning at best, fraud at worst. Pro-VNV and SLI compliance were not accredited laboratories in accordance with HAVA of 2002. The EAC is not a legislative body and cannot create or establish law, but must abide by HAVA of 2002. This is an overreach of power by disregarding the law set forth by HAVA of 2002, Section 231B, and the federal legislative body. Note that the same document provides another excuse as to why the, VS, the voting system testing laboratories are not properly accredited. According to the Accardi decision, requires that even governmental officials must follow agency regulations and guidelines. By the Election Assistance Commission's own admission of administrative error, the foundation of the rule of law under the Accardi doctrine, the Election Assistance Commission did not observe their own rules and guidelines, therefore violating the laws set by the HAVA Act affording a domino effect of substantive restraints and violations of protected persons class from arbitrary or capricious treatment, thus violating the plaintiff's voting rights. 
Due to the administrative error during the 2000 to 2019 period, the Elections Assistance Commission did not issue an updated certificate to Pro-V&V, causing confusion with some people concerning their good standing status. Even though the EAC failed to reissue the certificate, Pro-V&V's audit was completed in 2018 and again in early 2021 as the scheduled audit of Pro-V&V in 2020 was postponed due to COVID-19 travel restrictions. Despite the challenges outlined above throughout this period, Pro-V&V and SLI compliance remained in good standing with the requirements of our program and retained their accreditation. In addition, the EAC has placed appropriate procedures and qualified staff to oversee this aspect of the program, ensuring that moving forward, right, ensuring the continued quality monitoring of testing and certification program is robust and in place. Oh, well, you know, uh, it's okay that uh, they stole the election in 2020. We'll make sure it doesn't happen again. No, it needs to be taken care of. Okay. And we'll finish here, guys. We'll finish here. Following the elections of 2016, Senator Juan Ryden, sorry, Juan, Ron Wyden sent a letter to Tracy Maps, Director of Operations for SLI Compliance, specifically asking if the company had implemented the best practices described in the National Institute of Standards and Technology. According to the general information on Texas voting system certification process found on the Secretary of State's website, the Secretary of State requires new systems and modifications to previously certified systems be qualified by the Election Assistance Commission with 2002 voting system standards guidelines or newer prior to being submitted for examination. The vendor applying for certification must complete and deliver application forms, um, user operating and maintenance manuals, training material, final reports from an independent testing laboratory accredited by the EAC, a change log detailing changes from any previously certified systems or component and application fees to the Secretary of State no later than 45 days prior to examination. And uh, this is a list of what is required. They required all of those forms completed they require nationally accredited voting system lab test laboratory reports of all, um, including summary conduct tests included um, conducted on items submitted. They require a list of all of the commercial off-the-shelf hardware and software used with the system and their version number if listed in a nationally accredited test laboratory report state um and it requires uh, acknowledge uh, with uh, the voting testing system laboratory has been notified to send a copy of the software. So according to the certification procedures for electronic poll books, certification involves technical examination by an NIST certified testing laboratory. However, which laboratories perform this type of testing as well as their findings are not listed on the Secretary of State's website and remain in question. Not only must voting systems in Texas by the Election Assistance Commissions be certified by an accredited voting system testing laboratory, they must also be examined and approved for use by the Secretary of State and by the Attorney General. Before a voting system or voting system equipment may be used in an election, the system and a unit of the equipment must be approved by the Secretary of State as provided by this subchapter. 
The Secretary of State may seek a temporary restraining order or a writ of injunction obtained through the Attorney General to prevent the use of any part of a voting system or voting system equipment that has not been approved. What they're saying here, guys, is that the Secretary of State had every reason and right as his duty to put a restraining order against using the voting systems, the voting system equipment. So now they're letting the judge know after going through all of those codes, rules, and regulations, this is your Secretary of State's job. Then the next question is, did he do his job? A person commits an offense if the person executes a contract to sell, lease, or otherwise provide a voting system or voting system equipment that the person knows has not been approved. An offense under this subsection is a Class A misdemeanor. Accreditation is the independent evaluation of conformity assessments bodies against recognized standards to carry out specific activities to ensure their impartiality and competence. Through the application of national and international standards, government procurers and consumers can have confidence in the collaboration and test results, inspection reports, and certifications provided. Accreditation and certification are used in many aspects of our society. For example, universities and colleges are accredited by private agencies known as an accrediting agency or accreditor. The Department of Education administers and approves these accreditors under CFR Title 34602. Accreditation for the private accreditors is for five years. Accreditors must reapply for renewal two years before accreditation lapses. There are currently over 60 accreditors approved for accrediting our nation's colleges and universities. The Harvard University of Institutional Research website explains, accreditation is a voluntary peer review process. It serves four main purposes. One, to assure qualities of the public. Two, to ease student transfer between institutions by signaling quality. Three, provides institutions with access to federal financial aid. And four, certifies a graduate's credentials to employers. An accredited university meets the standards for accreditation established by an accredited agency. The standards ensure that an institution has appropriate and clear goals sufficient resources to achieve them, is fulfilling its objectives, and will continue to do so. The process provides colleges and universities with an opportunity for reflection, honest assessment of strengths and weaknesses, along with a chance to develop strategies for continued improvement. Both accredited and non-accredited colleges and universities accept money deliver a product, courses, and then award certificates and diplomas to attendees and graduates to document course and program completion. Imagine the public response if colleges and universities turn out to be not accredited due to an accreditor's lack of credentials. This would inspire demands for action loudly across the nation as should the lack of voting system testing laboratory accreditation. Thank you very much, okay? 
So imagine everyone who graduates from a big old university finds out that their certificate is not, you know, and you know, some of the jobs you have to have an accredited, you know, a university a d- a degree or a diploma diploma. How mad would everyone be if they found out that their school was not accredited because someone made a technical error? Oh, you would hear about it. It'd be all over the nightly news. Your congressman would be addressing it on the floor. Oh, but not when it comes to our voting system testing laboratories, not when it comes to our uh, election assistance commission, not when it comes to our elections. For some reason, no one gives a hoot about that. ESNS, EVS 6.1.10 was only certified by the election assistance commission on July 27th, 2020 by ProVNV, which did so with an expired elections assistant com- uh, accreditation and was not certified to do so do, do the examination at the time. So uh, that's saying that um, ESNS, which is the voting machine I voted on, okay, ESNS, the software, was certified on July 27th by ProVNV, who did not even have a, cert- a certificate of accreditation. So a non-accredited voting system testing laboratory certified voting system software on a voting system that I used. On August 21, 2020, Election Systems and Software, ESNS, or the vendor, presented the EVS 6.1.1.0 system for examination and certification by the Texas Secretary of State. On August 21st, okay, Travis County officials have confirmed that the election systems and softwares, the ESNS EVS 6.1.1.0 system was used to conduct the November 3 elections. On December 9th, 2020, Pursuant to Texas Elections Code 122.0371 of the Texas Election Code, the office held a public hearing by telephone for interested persons to express views for or against the certification of the EVS 6.1.1.0 system. On January 8, 2021, the Secretary of State's office, pursuant to Section 122.039, wrote and filed their official report Certifying ES&S Election uh, EVS 6.1.1.0 System for Use in Texas Elections. ES&S EVS 6.1.1.0 was not certified for use in any election prior to the state certification on January 8th, 2021. And, uh... As we close up today's um, show, a quote from uh, former Justice Antonin Scalia, words do have a limited range of meaning and no interpretation that goes beyond that range is permissible. So in other words, you can't have your own version of uh, definitions, okay? If it says that accreditation runs through a more a, no more than a period of two years before its exp- expiration, you can't go and say that that means revocation and that the two things apply. You see what I'm saying? Very good here, guys. Very good here. This is another one of those lawsuits that I think that 
law students will be studying for years. Talk about thorough. Talk about thorough, okay? Um, and this is just one of the legal failures that we went through here, guys. One of the legal failures, okay? And they put the, they put the biggest cherry on top because this thing right here could have taken down the whole thing taking down the whole thing if people cared about it enough to know. And it's not that they didn't care because we didn't know about it. Even though I think the first reports came out about it in December of 2020. Okay. You know, I, I know it was being reported over at one particular uh, news broadcast show, you know, but um, it was, <laughs> but once people found out, I, I didn't see the outrage, you know, not even amongst the patriots, not even amongst the patriots did I see the outrage, not even amongst Trump supporters did I see the outrage over the, is it too technical? Is it too technical? Is that why no one's like latching onto it? I don't know. I don't understand. You know, my blood is like through my head, through the roof over all of this. I mean, that is just, it's, it's so simple. It's so simple that we didn't have to go through any of this once this was known, but this was also information that was, um, this information was also sequestered. Okay. Don't get me wrong. This information was also sequestered. Okay. We were prevented from knowing about this and I hate to say it, but Patriots, you know, get your Mr. C swag. Mr. C and the C Report, mugs, shirts, swimwear, tank tops, men's, women's, children, stationery, home goods, apparel, support, and promote America First with the C Report. Go to Shop Mr. C online store at www.thecreport.com. Click on store on the top right menu. Use coupon code 1776reborn at checkout. Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're going to die on this hill. We're going to be gay and we're going to rape our children no matter what you say because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run see in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald band talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you've got your C report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do see in the dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out.
we got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. We're sorry, the number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is. Though victory's proof of the skills you possess, defeat is the proof of your grit. A weakling can smile in his days of success, but at trouble's first sign, he will quit. So the test of the heart and the test of your pluck isn't skies that are sunny and fair, but how do you stand to the blow that is struck, and how do you battle despair? A fool can seem wise when the pathway is clear, and it's easy to see the way out. But the test of a man's judgment is something to fear, and what does he do when in doubt? And the proof of his faith is the courage he shows when sorrows lie deep in his breast. It's the way that he suffers the griefs that he knows that bring out his worst or his best. The test of a man is how much he will bear for a cause which he knows to be right. How long will he stand in the depths of despair? How much will he suffer and fight? There are many who serve when the victory's near, and few are the hurts to be borne. But it calls for a leader of courage to cheer the men in a battle forlorn. It's the way you hold out against odds that are great that proves what your courage is worth. It's the way that you stand to the bruises of fate that shows up your stature and girth. And victory's nothing but proof of your skill, veneered with a glory that's thin, unless it is proof of unfaltering will, and unless you have suffered to win.